my experience now uh, in, I think it's four weeks, I turned 70. And, and what I'm more conscious of than ever is, is how all along my journey, you know, my path has been, you know, filled with snares and traps and joyous moments and, and, you know, noonday devils and, and the dark nights of the soul. The, the authentic path and the path I'm interested in actually is much more complicated, messy, and interesting than the 10 Oxarding pictures there would imply. James Ishmael Ford was ordained a Soto Zen Buddhist priest in 1969. He received Dharma transmission from G.U. Kenneth Roshi in 1971. For many years, he studied with John Tarrant and received Inca from him in 2005. Today, James is Senior Guiding Teacher Emeritus with Boundless Way Zen and the Senior Priest at Blue Cliff Zen, a network of practice groups in California, Washington, and Pennsylvania. He has authored five books, including Zen Master Who, If You're Lucky, Your Heart Will Break, and most recently, Introduction to Zen Koans, Learning the Language of Dragons. You are listening to Sit, Breathe, Bow, a podcast for practitioners. Each week, leading Buddhist teachers share life experiences and insights to help guide your meditation practice, as well as your life off the cushion. I am your host, Ian White-Marr. This podcast is sponsored by the Providence Zen Center, a residential Buddhist community in Cumberland, Rhode Island. The Providence Zen Center provides opportunities for short and long-term residency and holds retreats from one day to three months. For more information, please visit ProvidenceZen.org. James, if I'm not uh, mistaken, you were raised Baptist, and I have this memory of a, I was at a talk you gave years and years ago, so I'm not sure if I'm remembering this right, but was your father a preacher? Oh, uh, uh, I, what's the, the Mark Twain line? My, my, you know, my fondest memories never happened. Uh, 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 <laughs> yeah, so no. I don't know why I remembered it that way. My, but I, my well, my daddy was uh, was uh, mostly a bartender, and there are some commonalities, I suspect. <laughs> I have no idea where I got that from, but I'd always imagined you as a preacher's kid. But well, I, I guess more importantly, like you know, why did a good Baptist boy find his way into the Dharma Hall? Yeah, well, it, actually, there is a connection to my dad. Um, my my mother, uh, a, as were the women and children in our family, uh, uh, fundamentalist uh, Christians of a Baptist flavor, and and my father was a was a Colonel Ingersoll uh, uh, agnostic atheist. Uh, uh, mm. Primarily, his you know, so his atheism was the where are the four corners of the world. How could a fish swallow a human? You know that. That kind of very reductionist, uh, um, you know, but pointed uh, um, skepticism, and so I kind of lived in between those two two spaces. And my uh, um, um, and I spirituality uh, was you know was the great question. You know, it started with uh, uh, is there really a God? 
and uh, um, I, you know, inclined. I think in my early in my early adolescence, mid adolescence, toward the Ingersoll version. Well, you know, there's no there's no good evidence for that one, and uh, but the quest for meaning, purpose, direction that really really drove me, and uh, uh, um, after. Let's see, I forget the precise sequencing, but I think I, you know, a, a, a little bit of a visit with, with Vedanta by way of Aldous Huxley and Christopher Isherwood and, you know, that crowd, uh, Gerald Hurd. I, uh, and, uh, but I then visited a, a Vedanta center and that, that fixed that problem. And I, I uh, uh, moved on to a, uh, a thinking maybe psychedelics would save the world and, so that was a little bypass, yeah. And when when that was done, yeah, I lived in the Bay Area, nineteen late nineteen sixties, and and um, um, I visited a lot of you know a lot of spiritual teachers and heard them talk and such. And uh, people kept saying, you know, you've got to go hear Shunru Suzuki, and uh-huh. uh, uh, I finally did, and. Uh, um, the short version of that is uh, there was something resonant in 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 Zen and its practicality, and uh, that there was actually this technology of the spirit that didn't, on the surface at least, violate any you know rational uh, um, um, analysis. So I began, yeah, and you know, it, and Zen put its claws into me, and while I. I've struggled on several occasions to, to get out. Um, it's got me. When you say that, what do, what do you mean by that? You struggle on several occasions to get out? Well, my initial, uh, I, I initially began sitting with a branch of the San Francisco Zen Center uh, where uh, um, um, uh, Mel Weitzman was the, actually, when I first started sitting there, he was simply the lay leader. And then he, he was one of the half dozen people that Suzuki Roshi ordained. And in retrospect, I realized he was my first Zen teacher. Uh, Suzuki Roshi was somebody who was already in a large-ish organization. And uh, my line is he was, my, my contacts with him were, um, he was a very small figure, very far away in a very large hall, uh, speaking in what my friends assured me was English. (laughs) So it was, you know, Mel was the actual teacher and, and he taught mainly at that point, simply by doing what, you know, doing his practice and, uh, and, you know, it was a body presentation of, of, of simplicity and clarity. And, and I was, you know, completely missed it. <laughs> so, so he was, you know, you know, he was, you know, A, he was a Caucasian and B, he didn't have the right color robe and, uh, um, so I was, you know, I, I, I really wanted access to, to uh, a real teacher. And, mm-hmm. and uh, as things happened, just at the, after I'd been sitting there for a, a, something approaching two years, the um, um, home Jiu Kinnett uh, blew into town. And she was an, she was an English woman who had uh, um, uh, gone to Japan and uh, was at this point a fully qualified Soto Zen priest and had um, 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 was actually charged with starting a temple in London and and had stopped in California on the way to see a 
really successful operation, a mission to the Gaijin. You can say a lot of things about Kenneth Roshi, uh, and, but dumb was never one of them. And, <laughs> and she looked around, she thought about London, she thought about California, and she moved into a flat on Petrero Hill and announced she was receiving. And, mm. and uh, uh, um, Josh Barron and I both claimed we were the first person to go and you know, visit her as a potential teacher. It was actually me. I arrived on Wednesday. He arrived on Thursday, even though he seems to claim he arrived on Wednesday and I arrived on. Yeah, you're not you're not holding on to that one. Not the tiniest bit, <laughs> stupid Josh. Oh my gosh! And and you know, Ken Roshi was you know um, uh, uh, a, a strong cup of tea, and she was an enormously important person in my life, and. I learned a lot of things from her. I thought I was doing Zazen before that. I learned I was not. And uh, um, uh, I learned hard practice. I learned the beginnings of monastic formation. I had whatever monastic formation I had was with her. And uh, um, and and uh, I left after a couple of years. And I was uh, um, I felt I was done, actually. Uh, uh, I, I had some experiences with her that I consider that turned out to be uh, really critical, formative in my spiritual life. But the uh, um, experiences were also uh, uh, not grounded. And I was uh, um, uh, concerned that I'd been given authorizations really fast and, and did not feel uh, actually prepared or ready for them. And so I... I, I left, and in that leaving, I thought maybe I'd left it Zen, and I I looked around. So that was one you know, one place where I uh, tried to get up from under it. Turned out um, maybe that wasn't the style of practice for me, uh, but the the seeds had been planted, and I had to continue, which would eventually lead me to a, a practice that lasted for for twenty years. On hearing that, I'm wondering if you can say a little more about what kept calling you back. There's many people who have, you know, gone through training, done training, and then they they decide it's not for them and they, they move on with their life. And given that you went through these experiences and had these sort of different questions about authenticity or right relationship, I'm... I'm wondering why, what was the hunger that kept calling you back or the question that kept calling you back to the practice? Well, I, I, you know, there's many things, uh, uh, but foremost among them, I, I, I believe are probably two. Uh, one is, uh, uh, while I'm, I am a universalist in this, in the sense that I believe there, that no religion owns, uh, awakening, uh, owns the, the great currents of, of life and death and insight. Uh, um, some religions are a little bit more aligned with with reality than others, in my in my view, in my experience, observation, and none presents a clear uh, um, invitation into into the the real as I encounter it than Zen Buddhism, and and uh, um, so you know I may not like it, and um, and I often don't. Uh, it's 
it's it's the best you know, of the of a bad lot and uh, uh so <laughs> i i throw myself in with the you know with the brigands and robbers uh they're my gang uh, my crew uh and and uh you know and and with that is some um, <laughs> you like that <laughs> well i just you know you, you i know, think you know the game. yeah yeah i do know the game. i mean i feel like the outside projection <laughs> well is you know of these very serene and wise people well it was my favorite my favorite uh illustration of that is uh hakuan the great great 18th century Japanese master in his youth, apparently when he first entered the monastery after, uh, I don't know, some months, he, he, he records, he's a diarist and he recorded uh, how um, he looked up and around at the, you know, at the, the crew uh, meditating and he realized he was surrounded by thieves and murderers. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a dubious crowd for sure. <laughs> Uh, but as our but you, you, yeah, go ahead. Oh, it's just my gang. I mean, they're my people, yeah. and and beyond that, um, um, there are the spiritual disciplines. Uh, there, while while I think there are some problems in the literature as we map out the arc of our spiritual lives. Uh, there's a little bit too much uh, emphasis in the literature on on momentary experiences, and not quite enough on the persistence to the end. What do you mean by that? Like just in terms of like following the discipline through or, um, well, I, so for instance, the wisdom that comes after life. What I see in this is, um, so there, there are a couple of maps of, of the spiritual journey in Buddhism and in Zen Buddhism. And, um, um, one is the, the five ranks. Uh, another is the 10 oxygen pictures. And um, in some ways, I like the five ranks best because it's it's like five modes. It's not there is no beginning and there is no end. There are just these things emerging. The the but and that's why the five uh, the ten oxygen pictures are more more popular uh, uh, because there is sort of a you know you're you're looking and then you're finding and there's a you know and there and there's some very accurate markers along the way that are that are described in it. It's linear also. You can sort of draw the line across. You can draw a line across. I mean, there's very much, and there is that, that temporal quality is important uh, because that is how we experience the world uh, in, in most of the time. And, and, and it kind of, nonetheless, it ends with a victory. And, uh, mm. and, and my, my experience now uh, in, I think it's four weeks, I turned 70. And mm. and what I'm more conscious of than ever is is how all along my journey, you know, my path has been, you know, filled with snares and traps and joyous moments and and you know, noonday devils and and the dark nights of the soul. Uh, the the authentic path and the path I'm interested in actually is much more complicated, messy, and interesting. Than the tin oxygening pictures bear would imply, or even mm. you know you know a pebble hits the you know the bamboo and and somebody is awakened. As important as those things are, mm. uh, in my my heart calling at this moment is reflecting on that and how you know how we uh, we we live. That said, 
the other thing that I think that the uh, that that Zen Buddhism specifically offers is an an amazing small bucket of of spiritual technologies, uh, the practices mm-hmm. of just sitting, um, the practices of koan introspection specifically are are astonishing things that that I am endlessly grateful for having uh, stumbled upon. When I was going through some of the literature, you've written quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. And but you know, on your blog and in other magazines, you've you know you've covered a wide range of of issues, including many popular social issues, transgender people, the white supremacist demonstrations in Charlottesville, popular musicians, sexual misconduct by teachers. But my, you know, my personal understanding of you always has this centrality of practice uh, there. Uh, As you're you're commenting about it, um, what's going on in the world, I've always feel like there's a it's not just social commentary but there's this practice piece that's informing everything and i'm just wondering well i actually i was really struck by a a line in one of your articles that said i practice zen it is the discipline of embodied presence a regular taking of time to sit down shut up and pay attention one i was struck by that term embodied the embodied presence you know, you are physically sort of taking up this space, and what does that mean in the world? You know, I just wondered if there was something about the practice that then leads you to you know, commenting on the world, looking at the world. Yeah. Well, thank you for for catching that. Huh? Um, it is the central um, thing for me that that there is this this recurring discipline, uh, the discipline of my life of you know summarize to sit down shut up pay attention um um which of course itself is shorthand for you know engaging the mystery uh uh uh, uh part of the big problem is that we you know we project all the time i at least i do uh you know i am uh, there's you know josh Barron. <laughs> mm. yeah, and which of us really went to see geokin at first uh, um, you did. Uh, that's right. That is, uh, and I have a microphone, so it must be true. Uh, but, but uh, you know, Eihei Dogen, you know, the 12th century Japanese uh, uh, Zen teacher, and, and prodig- you think I'm a prodigious writer, uh, uh, you know, an amazing thinker and commentator on. Yeah. on he he briefly he uh, he mentions in in a fascicle called the Genjo Koan, uh, the Koan of Everyday Life. That uh, um, if you uh, advance to the ten thousand things, that's that's actually delusion. It's projection. Uh-huh. Just sort of like imposing your stories on the world. But if you will let the ten thousand things advance to you, that actually is awakening. And, uh-huh. and for me, that's you know that you know sit down, shut up, pay attention. You know, open my uh, my my the the heart to. What is actually happening, um, and and a number of things you know follow. You know, one one is there is a, a loosening of the death grip. Uh, we we I uh, you know begin to see the world is not as I you know as the neat stories I have packaged, and uh, um, rather it's messy, gloriously messy, sometimes terribly messy. Uh, 
but also uh, intimately connected, you know, intertwined. It really is a, a constant discovery of intimacy. And with that discovery of intimacy, uh, there is a, uh, a calling of the heart, you know, for me anyway, and for many people to engage the world. And, and we engage uh, each with our own skill sets. And, I've done yeah, different things over the years. Yeah, you've written, you've got this quote in another article that says, we have met the enemy and he is us. Yeah, I think. We have met the friend and he is us. That is the secret that will win the ultimate victory, if anything. And this is our way, looking inward and reaching out, a hand and acting, heart with heart and hand in hand. We will build a community of hope and possibility. And I was just sort of, I loved the joining of the, the inward looking, but not staying there. The practice does involve, you know, reaching out a hand. Well, yeah, I think that, that there is, um, in the koan literature, in our, you know, experience, um, we are constantly, we're, we're driven to see beyond our sense of isolation itself and see the realities that, 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 um, that are beyond that most most dramatically for us is this loosening of our of our sense of of solidity and permanence and finality and opening ourselves into um, a world where where there are no essences there are no special something separate from all the other things and um, you know um, discovering the you know this dynamic openness this boundlessness that is actually what the, the way the world really is, and even um, accessible to our our human consciousness. And uh, the, the, the 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 our teachers constantly remind us that uh, um, to discover emptiness, to discover boundlessness, um, is not yet our way. And we're constantly called back. Uh, there's a, a koan. Uh, um, that you're at the top of the, the hundred foot pole. Uh, where do you go? A lot of people mm-hmm. think that the top of the hundred foot pole is, you know, is the, you know, is uh, um, the last of your grasping to things. But actually, that's that that's a pointer to emptiness itself. So what's what's on mm-hmm. the other side of that when you let go of emptiness? <laughs> this is part of me that wants to answer. <laughs> <I'm> gonna... <laughs> so you know, I was recently sitting a retreat with Jason Quinn, who I think you know you were on a call with me and him not too long ago, and we were doing uh, some Cohen work, and I'd made this offhanded uh, remark about them being riddles, and to know Jason is to know, you know, he's laughing all the time. He just finds humor in everything. Uh, but he got very serious and he looked right at me. He's like, these are not riddles. You know, I think of you as someone who really holds the discipline of koans that's central to the practice. And can you tell us, you know, if these are not riddles, like what are koans and, and why are they important for living in yeah, the world? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, koan as a word um, has entered English and, uh, um, and, and, you know, a, you know, probably its most facile use is is as a uh, as a synonym for riddle. You know, that there is a you know, it's a little puzzle for you to 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 gnaw on. 
Um, ironically, the second or, and I think increasingly more common uh, use for it uh, is uh, a nonsensical uh, statement. You know, and then you, you, you can actually find people who purport to be Zen teachers who will say that it's a, uh, um, these are meaningless questions that are designed to shock you into a transrational state, whatever that's supposed to be. And, and, uh, um, uh, and the, and the third, uh, popular usage is, uh, um, uh, a really thorny question. Hmm. And actually I'm, I'm, I'm most sympathetic to that last use. And, and I see it all the time, even uh, among Zen uh, practitioners, particularly uh, as as you know, koan introspection is a as a subset of, of of Zen practice. That that not all people who practice Zen practice koans. All people who practice Zen do practice the practice of presence, you know, the sit down, shut up, pay attention. Mm-hmm. But the unique discipline that emerges in early medieval China, uh, that is koans, is uh, 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 the literature is shared, but the, the practice as a spiritual discipline is, uh, is uniquely ch- uh, transmitted among subsets of the, of the, of the Zen school. So, so uh, authentic, I've, I've seen Zen teachers I deeply, deeply admire use the word that, well, you know, that, uh, you know, political uh issue is a real koan for me and you know and mm. they mean a thorny thorny question uh, uh mm-hmm. so i i don't get i don't i'm not upset by it but but those are usage those are neologisms or, or, or whatever it is when you take a word give it a new definition um uh, a koan mm-hmm. actually is uh um well robert aitken the great american Zen teacher uh, said a, a koan is uh, is a matter to be ma- made clear, and and mm-hmm. my personal way of of describing it is to say that a koan is a presentation of reality and an invitation to intimacy. So a koan mm-hmm. presents is an assertion about reality and uh, invites us to stand in that place. I don't know which. You know, if you use the same, same, uh, you know, the koans that I use, or the, you know, the tradition that I use, does the Blue Cliff record, and you use the. Well, we use actually we, we use we use the Book of Equanimity. Well, uh, in the so uh, yeah, I I don't know where we want to even begin there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I was just going to say that you know, I, not long ago, I was working with one called you know, uh-huh, sure. cat right, right. kills a cat. You it, know, occurs, it occurs. It occurs. It occurs in multiple uh, collections. Right, and so I just found like when I actually saw the tank, whatever, however you want to say it, worked with that. I could all you can all of a sudden see how that actually applies in life. Um, and that's why I sort of saw you know I, I understood what he meant yeah. by it's not yeah. a riddle. It's like this is this is actually a teaching a wisdom teaching for life. Well, and and even more than a wisdom teaching, it, it is an invitation mm-hmm. to our own lives, to an actual not to a cognitive, uh, ex, you know, a rational analysis. Right. As important as that is, and I do not disdain study. Uh, I think it. I think 
in fact, Zen in the West has been damaged by by uh, um, uh, the the commonly asserted thing: don't read, just sit. Uh, uh, but right, there's an there, empty intellectualism, and there is an absolutely. It's a response to an empty intellectualism, and it leads to, unfortunately, the reaction has led to uh, a, a lot of ignorant Zen practitioners. <laughs> Pick your poison, yeah. I guess. Uh, uh, um, right, uh, but but. That you know, that's an enormously powerful koan, and it's one just littered with with traps for the unwary. Uh, you know, I know people. Uh, the case just for for people uh, um, uh, uh, who are unfamiliar with it. Uh, there's a, a Zen teacher, uh, Nan Chuan. Uh, no, I'm sorry, is it Chow Chow? The the Nan Chuan. It's not Nan Chuan and the cat. The cat? Yeah. So it's not Chuan. Yeah, Nan Chuan. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, um, wanders into uh, into the monastery, and the monks of the Western Hall and the monks of the Eastern Hall are arguing over a cat. And he says, uh, he grabs the cat, grabs a knife, uh, says, uh, you know, say a word or I'll kill the cat. Nobody can say a word, so he uh, he kills the cat. Uh, th- that spot alone just really, you know, that stops tons of people, and there's, you know, um, um, moral objections and just, yeah, yeah, and and, yes. and such. Uh, so that's trap one. And then, and then, if can, if someone can kind of like move beyond that point, uh, um, uh, uh, although just as an aside, the first time I saw a little bit of uh, uh, Western scriptural form criticism or this critical analysis uh, enter into the, the the my Zen world was when. Somebody said, well, you know, actually, he just mined uh, uh, killing the cat, and, uh, and, uh, mm. which I thought was kind of charming. And, and, of course, it would in the Koan Hall, you would be wrung out of the meeting, the meeting if you didn't yeah. gave that response. <laughs> uh, you know, and then, of course, it goes on, and there's this delightful, uh, uh, um, um, mysterious and confusing encounter afterwards with Don, with uh, yeah yeah these are uh what i like about them is uh the, the case is just sort of like stepping back from that one case in specific is that uh yeah i was trying to figure out well where did these come from you know how do how do we you know what, what's 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 the deal here and and victor sogan hori who's a contemporary american uh I'm sorry, Canadian uh, of Japanese descent. Uh, uh, um, uh, he's both a Zen practitioner. He spent 12 years in, in Japanese Rinzai man- monasteries. Uh, actually, completed formal mm. the formal Cohen curriculum in the uh, in 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 the um, Take Takachu, uh, uh, uh subline of Haku and Koans. Um, but then, re- but ra- rather than going on to complete things to become a a, a formal Rinzai Zen teacher. He returned to Canada and was a professor for many, many years at McGill, retired just a year or two ago. Um, so he dug into the, the what, well, where does this come from? You know, what, you know we know the word kong on is, uh, or gong on uh, is a, uh, uh, means public case, like, a, you know, a, like an illegal document. Um, and in fact, I've seen somebody make an analogy between or seek a, a connection between it and, and an indigenous mid late medieval, uh, 
um, Chinese literary mystery form. They actually had mystery novels, and uh, and they were called mm. koans or gangan literature. Timing doesn't quite work, mm. and and what uh, um, uh, Victor Hori suggested is actually he's moderately confident that Buddhist monks, early Buddhist monks, in the you know like in the fourth and fifth century, sixth centuries, uh, maybe a little bit later, um, observed Taoists doing a drinking game. And <laughs> I love my, my primary spiritual practice is grounded in a drinking game. Uh, and, and, and what it was is that the Taoists would, you know, sit around together with rice wine and they would, somebody would take a sip of wine and then recite, you know, compose a line of poetry. And then the next person was supposed to match it in a way that everybody witnessing it uh, um, could, you know, would agree. Yeah, you, you win, you lose. You know, it, it it sounds right. It doesn't sound right. And the and the Buddhist said, you know, we can drop the rice wine and uh, and and do something. Yeah, and you know, and so what it is, it's you know, it's the backbone of it are are our dialogues between teachers uh, or teachers and students, um, bits of poetry, fragments from, you know, from classical uh, East Asian literature, uh, you know, just about anything that can be seen as pointing to something about the real. Uh, and, uh, and then, and then met in a way that invites people to their own, own intimate experience of life. You know, that leads me, I think, into a maybe a final question for us. Um, in the forward to your new book, the introduction to Zen Koans, Joan Halifax lifted up your new translation of the Heart Sutra for special attention. And I guess I was sort of wondering why bother with a new translation and also what's in the Heart Sutra, both for your practice life, but also your embodied life that made you want to sort of bring that into the... Sure. Uh, so it's not a translation. It's a paraphrase. Uh, that's that's mm. critical to acknowledge. Uh, uh, it, it's been a spiritual discipline of mine uh, with principal texts for me, uh, the ones that, you know, that I live with uh, a whole lot. Uh, um, read multiple translations, read about it, and then at some point uh, uh, um, produce a version that is an expression of my own uh, uh, encounter. And it's in, actually it's inspired by the Valentinian Gnostics. I'm not sure if you're you're familiar with the the. Um, mm -hmm. um, there was a in the Christian churches. There is a um, you know there's a whole movement that that is blanket tagged as Gnostics and mostly that is a, mm -hmm. a kind of dualism and the God of the earth that creates the world is actually the demurge is kind of a crazy monster. And, and we have little seeds of life that we need to, uh, 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 that are, that long to return to the source light. Uh, but within that great family of things, there are a few, there, there are a few individuals who, kind of actually look like Zen people in many ways. And there's a scholar named Elaine Pagels who wrote something called the, the Gnostic Gospels in which she mm -hmm. uh, dug into the what I consider the interesting ones. And there's a, a guy named Valentinus. Uh, uh, and uh, uh, 
It is a, a wonderful book. book. If you, if you haven't read it, you can yeah. get used copies cheap. It's really worth uh, it's worth a read. It's very readable for an academic. She uh, is very accessible, and uh, and it's a popular <laughs> book because you know her academic work is uh, suitably dense. <laughs> but, uh, um, um, yeah, she refer she referenced that within that school, you weren't actually a Christian until you wrote your own gospel. Oh. And I, I was, you know, yeah, I, I hear it, and, and so the, uh, the heart, the, <laughs> the, the heart sutra there was is simply my gospel, and, and, yeah. and actually, it wasn't even, it wasn't in the early manuscript of my, of the book. My, uh, um, my editor, uh, um, found it on the interwebs and said, you gotta, you gotta have that because they're does need to be a grounding and the heart sutra itself is is the core teaching of form and emptiness and and that back to that thing we started with about uh, how you know we uh about engagement and emptiness and boundlessness and to me the heart sutra speaks to the secret it's the real secret it's right there Thank you for listening to this episode of Sit, Breathe, Bow. I hope you found the conversation with James Ishmael Ford encouraging and helpful for your practice. You can find out more about his teaching through his books, including his most recent one, Introduction to Zen Koans, or by visiting his blog on Patheos called Monkey Mind. If you would like to sit a retreat with James, you can find more information at bluecliffzensanga.com. A special thanks to our sponsor, the Providence Zen Center. If you would like to deepen your practice commitment, I encourage you to explore PZC's residential and retreat opportunities. You can find all of that information at ProvidenceZen.org. If you would like some guidance on how to meditate, there are some videos you can watch at ProvidenceZen.org slash videos. My name is Ian Whitemar. I hope you'll join me again next week.